Hi all, welcome to Rigged, the Random Idea Generator cast, where we randomly roll out characters, story, and world-building elements, and craft them into a finely tuned tale. We value collaborative storytelling, especially that which comes from D&D and RPGs in general. So, we've decided to take random elements and craft a story. It can be the germ you use to write, an adventure hook for your campaign, or even the basis for your character's backstory. We don't care what you do with it as long as you enjoy it. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm your host, Matt. We are two-thirds of the Brothers McGill. And together, we'll be using dice and spreadsheets to tell you a story. Let's get rolling. So the first episode of every month, we're going to start with some character creation. Uh, Matt, why don't you describe what character creation is going to be like for us? Character creation, basically, we have a bunch of tables set up, and we're just going to roll some dice and just randomly generate characters. And on those tables, we have races and classes and backgrounds, items, uh, subclasses, things like that. So everything that we have that we roll and put together is going to be so utterly random. There's no way we can plan ahead. We plan to do everything. We plan to be spontaneous. Everything's going to be on the fly. Yeah. There's so many different, um, different combinations that it's going to be hard to get the same thing twice for sure. Yeah. I'd be really impressed if we ever did, to be honest. Um, but it's essentially just a random generation of what you would, uh, do to make a character in a D and D game. Yeah, and we're going to take that and we're going to flesh it right out for you. All right, let's uh, let's start chucking some polyhedrals. Welcome to episode one of Rigged. Matt is here with me and we've got our dice and we are ready to go. What are we doing today, Matt? Uh, today we are creating... Three different characters with a whole bunch of different uh, races and classes and details at our disposal. Very exciting. All randomly generated. Everything is at the whim of the die. Um, And it's going to put together a fairly motley crew um, that we're going to fit into a story. And with all of the vast variety of things that we have, um, it could be, it could work out really perfectly you know how the dice somehow like synergize sometimes but sometimes it just goes completely random um and and could be a fun challenge for us to figure out how to work them into a story yeah that's the best part really is is how much do we have to flex our creative muscles to get these three characters to uh coexist yeah they don't necessarily have to get along but they do have to fit together somehow. And we have enough disparate pieces that it could make it really challenging. And I'm I'm, honestly, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. The weirder, the better, honestly. I mean, you don't need three human fighters in a party. We've seen that before. Yeah. I think the weirder, the better could be like our, our sub slogan. I think that that could work. (laughs) Uh, So you want to get started? Yes, let's do it. All right. So we are rolling for character one. Matt will do the uh, the honors of the first one. 
That is a 64 on a D100, which is a human. Human. All right. Off to a white bread start. And there's no variant for human, right? That's just straight up human, I think. Human is human, yeah. Human is human. Yep. So in that case, we are going to move on to our class. Yep. All right. It is a three, so it's a human cleric. Okay. All right. Holy man. All right. And we have a domain for our cleric, right? That's correct. Another D12, and that will be the grave domain. Number four. Four. Grave domain cleric. Okay, we're getting more interesting. Yep. Uh, Let's move on to, I believe, gender. Yep. That is going to be a four. So that's a secret gender. Ooh. Okay. So he's not really telling anybody... uh, what the gender is on that one. So let's see. We need a name, which is going to be a D12. A D12. But it's separated out into male and female names. Okay. How about you do a, a D4 first? Odds are male, evens are female. Fair enough. We'll do. That is a male name. Okay. Roll to one. And it is an 11. 11. Nathaniel McCulloch. So we'll just go with McCulloch then. That's that's pretty genderless. Okay. Okay, so how old, or what? not necessarily a number, but what's the age range of our human cleric? That is a two, so it's a young adult. Ooh, interesting. Okay. And next... What are you going to roll for? We are rolling a D10 for the alignment. Hmm. Uh, that is a six, which is chaotic neutral. Oh, gosh. Okay. That could work with a grave cleric, I think. I think so. Yeah. We're going to roll background, which is going to be a D100. That is a 70, which is Outlander. Hmm. Okay. Okay, I'm 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 getting a general um like a rough idea of what this character is gonna be. But I don't I don't okay. nothing is like super solidified until we at least get another character or two. But even then, like the environment or, or something could throw it all for a loop. So um it's some good, some good like starter fodder, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, this is something we're going to need to uh, have something to build on with this character, I think. Right, right. Foundation. Yeah. Maybe we can get that when we roll our trinket here and see exactly what this, this character is uh, transporting or carrying around. That is a 30, which is a blank book whose pages refuse to hold ink, chalk, graphite, or any other substance or marking. Okay. Interesting. All right, I've got that down. That is the potentials for a really cool character. Definitely. Um, the What is the grave subtype? It's basically just kind of necromancery, right, I believe? So it's 
basically the grave cleric is all about making sure the cycle of death is honored resisting death undead desecration of the dead that's all abomination he's basically basically a death priest kind of thing they put spirits to rest they destroy undead they ease suffering of dying creatures they could even stop death um if they're powerful enough um that the, that being said they refused to extend a creature's life beyond its mortal limits because that is that is anathema to them. That's desecration of the... Yeah. Okay. That being said, at fifth level, they get vampiric touch. That's an interesting um, option there. Yeah. Okay, that, that opens up a lot. Yeah, I think so. All right, so we are ready to roll for character two, I think, right? We, we're, uh, we're pretty set. Yeah, I think we're set with uh, McCullough there. All right, so let's roll. I will do the honors uh, for character number two. We'll start with the D100 for our race. Okay. We have 20. 20 even gives us an elf. Okay. Okay. So we're uh, we're working on our, our standard D&D party. Um, but we do have a sub-race that we can pull for our elf. So let's see what we got. A D6. That is a six. So a wood elf. Okay. All right. Foresty. All right. So far, so far, nothing is um, uh, in direct conflict with our other characters. So that's not too bad. We've got class next. D12. That is an 11, a warlock. Okay. Interesting. That could, yeah, that could be cool for a patron here. Uh, so that's a D6 to tell us what our patron is. It's a two. Celestial. Cool. Okay, that's a healing. That's like, a, that's the closest thing you get to like a holy healing warlock. I'm already seeing some cool uh, possibilities between these two. Really, really cool uh, ideas going on here. So we'll go for gender. That is a one, male. Okay. So let's see. Next is the name. We've got a two, Merle. Merle Morris. <laughs> okay. I like that. Merle the Warlock. Merle, Merle Morris the Warlock. <laughs> it's got a it's got a um kind of a backwoods he's a backwoods elf that's what he is yes yeah he's it's almost like the the weird hokey neighbor next door in a sitcom yeah uh so we'll do let's see how old get an age range for our uh our wood elf oh that is a six Ooh. he is an undead celestial elf that's super interesting undead undead yeah paired with a human that is i don't know against the undead for for lack of a better term like that's against everything he believes in yeah with that that grave domain that's going to be i could see it go two ways either they're really like reluctantly together or 
I don't know, like maybe a spell went wrong or maybe he turned to the grave domain after his friend came back from the dead. Oh, that kind of thing, you know, it could have been something like that, like an an instigating moment. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. There may be something a little further that we see. Yeah, that gives us that. You know, it puts it all into focus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That the the kind of the binding unit. Yep. Okay, so the alignment, a D ten for our elf. Three chaotic good. Okay. He, this is a this is a complex character we got here. Very background a d100 is 87 which is a soldier okay yeah i could see that or it was a soldier in another life or something along those lines i can definitely see that exactly yeah and another d100 gives us our random trinket 76. That is a four-leaf clover pressed inside a book discussing manners and etiquette. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. When we get to world building and we get to like MacGuffin or or the purpose of the party, things like that, that may come in. And this is this is highly this is totally okay. Like that might just be like a cute little flavor thing and that's it doesn't necessarily have to super tie in yeah we'll see once we get through it how everything works but it all has potential at this point Mm -hmm. so we are uh two parties in or two members in rather and it is time for our third character so matt why don't you take over the roles again and uh and give us our third character gotcha okay we're gonna start with a race that is a D100, is a 64, which is another human. Uh, I think we made the human spread a little too big. Yeah, we may have to revise that one. Wait, that was a 64? Yeah. The first roll was a 64. Well, there we go. It was destined. That's crazy. Okay. All right. Off to a, a very interesting start. All right. Let's... So we have no race variant. Um for the human, as we learned on the first character, on uh, McCulloch's character. So let's go right for class. Okay. It's a 12, and it's a 10, which is a sorcerer. Ooh, okay. So two magic users. Man. I can only imagine what the... how the party would fare if it came up against a really heated battle. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of squishy. The cleric can tank, I suppose. Yeah. And the celestial can heal, so that's uh, it. Could it could work? And the sort could just do do burst damage. I think it could work if the, if you build enough into um, specifically those roles. Make sure that the cleric can can be a, a decent tank, yeah, and and the celestial lock be a decent healer. I think it could work. Yeah, this is definitely not the party you want to start at level one with, though. Yeah, it would be. I mean, you're just going against like kobolds and goblins. It might not be too bad. Yeah. As long as your DM is is aware of limitations or at least tests those limitations. True. Very true. Well, let's uh, let's see what kind of sorcerer or what kind of origin this sorcerer has. We're going to roll a d6 here. That is a four. Storm sorcery. Oh, cool. I always do... I'm always wild magic, Sork. Okay. Always. Always and forever. Oh, yeah? It's the best. Okay. 
Um, gender. We we need a gender for our human sork. Yep. Another secret gender. Wow. Cool. Okay. Okay. All right. Maybe they're like in a cult or something. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. Okay. So, um, because of the secret gender, let's do another D four to get us uh, the gender of the the name that we're looking at, at least. Yep. Um, we got a four, so that's going to be the female name. Okay. And the number itself is a four. Four as well. Okay. Uh, the full name is Mildred Bradshaw, but we'll go with Bradshaw. We'll just go with that that last that last name. Yep. Okay. And uh, age, our age for Bradshaw. Four, so it's an elder. Oh, cool. Okay. And alignment. D10, and that is a five, which is just plain old neutral. Plain old neutral. Okay. So we've got a, a chaotic neutral, a chaotic good, and a neutral, which is like, those are some of the more common alignments that a, a party will take. So, I mean, this is this is fitting pretty well together. Yeah, definitely. At least in that regard. Um, let's see what kind of background this sorcerer has. That is a 13, which is a charlatan. Oh, Okay. You like it? Oh, and as a Sork, they will have high charisma, so it makes sense to be a charlatan. Absolutely. I think you get a, a deception bonus or something for being a charlatan, and maybe a disguised self, something like that. I don't remember what, what the uh, the bonuses are for that. I'm hoping in the world building we get a mega church. Oh, is that an option? We need we need to make that an option. <laughs> If it isn't, it will be now. Um, let's see what kind of trinket. 72. 72. That is a silver teardrop earring made from a real teardrop. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that something that, that a sorcerer would have. Yeah. Just a single earring. Yeah. Well, doesn't say that it had to be worn. That's true. That's true. Depending on what we see in terms of the the later story, that that could tie in pretty nicely. Yep. I think to to any number of um pieces that that we have working. Yeah. We only have one more role. Yep. We need to determine the relationship to the party, but I think we should recap our characters first. I think that's a good idea. So character one is a human, a grave cleric, cleric of the grave domain. We don't know the gender, but their name is McCulloch. Uh They're a young adult. They are chaotic neutral, which I'm sure most young adults are. Um, they have an outlander background, and they have uh, a blank book whose pages refuse to hold any markings from chalk or blood or ink or anything like that. Um, I imagine it probably just disappears. It could fall off. I don't know. We could have it however we want. Ooh, yeah, definitely. I like I like the idea of it's in there for a split second and then it it melts or just 
drips out or something that would be cool yeah i like i think i like the idea of it like dripping or or flaking away or something as opposed to absorbing like we see that all the time with mysterious books is it like it'll oh, it yeah. will absorb the ink you know we've all seen harry potter yeah exactly yeah i i like the you know almost like thanos touched the book and it just kind of flakes away yeah just half of the half of the letters flaked away yeah yes our second character is a wood elf, a celestial warlock. He is a male. Name is Merle. What's his full name? I don't remember what his full name is. It's Merle Morris. That's ridiculous. <laughs> the dice deemed this wood elf warlock is named Merle Morris. We will not deny them that. Fair enough. <laughs> I always think of my warlocks as single named, almost like Cher. Oh, but I get can't deny Merle Morris. Thank you. Um, especially when Merle is a, an undead warlock. That's kind of our big monkey wrench here. Oh yeah, uh, an undead warlock that is chaotic good, even. Yeah. Um, we've established that Merle is a soldier or was a soldier. At one point, um, that's definitely part of his background, at least. And he has a four-leaf clover that is pressed in a book of, uh, of manners. Yeah, could be flavor, could be... Oh, it's too bad that Bradshaw didn't get a book as well. That'd be really cool if they all had books as their uh, their trinkets. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure there's another book in there, but that would have been cool. Um. Yeah, the rolls of the dice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, good segue into character number three, Bradshaw, another human, um, a sorcerer, Stormsork, another another secret gender. I'm feeling, I'm getting like a, a little culty feeling with with these two like disgendered um, humans. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I don't know, like they just, they have face coverings or mask, oh, masks, that'd be cool. Like just complete like stone face masks, that could be neat. Hmm. This one, Bradshaw is an elder. Uh, their alignment is neutral. So again, we have the chaotic neutral of McCulloch. We have the chaotic good of Merle Morris. And the just the plain old neutral. It's like when you when you're an elder, when you're old enough, you're just like you don't care. Like I don't have the energy to 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 deal with these kids, so they go neutral. That, I think that's what happened with Bradshaw. Yeah, get angry at me. I don't care. I only have a couple of years left to live. Yeah, like the 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 most I can do is is muster the energy to say to get off my lawn, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely not Clint Eastwood type. No, God, no. Um, that being all that being said, Bradshaw is a, or at least has a charlatan background. Maybe when Bradshaw was younger, they were a charlatan or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bradshaw's trinket is a silver teardrop earring made from a real teardrop. Is that the liquid that was added to the silver? Is that is there like a teardrop inside of? A silver teardrop shape. The silver is a case. How is it made from a real, t- or is it just like magically transmuted? Oh yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Is is it uh, the case around a teardrop, or 
is that the teardrop? Like we've seen plenty of the teardrop looking necklaces mm. in, you know, in real life. But is this, what's the significance of that teardrop too? Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it could be very easy to say, oh, it was the, the, the last tear of, of Bradshaw's love before they died or, or something like that. But I, I think depending on the conflict slash MacGuffin, it could be kind of a secret mechanism to solve whatever the problem is. Like the, the teardrop has to be brought to someone or given to someone, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think once we, uncovered that part of the uh, of the story we can figure out not only the teardrop but how some of these other trinkets and things um would fit in if at all what if the book needs the teardrop and then all of the writing will come out interesting it needs the actual teardrop yeah like what if that's out of the silver Oh, like very carefully, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. You like break it open or yeah. there's like a little, <laughs> there's a little like pop top on there that, or a little plug or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like a little cocaine bindle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. You cry when you run out of cocaine and, uh, that's, and that's what yes. fits in the teardrop. Very true. I like that idea. Tying those together. Yeah. Again, very cool, but may just may not work at all um, when we get our our world building roles. Like the trink, the trinkets may just fall to the wayside. Yeah, we may not have enough room to even enter those into the story. They might be a cool thing to have if we were to expand it to, you know, an actual short story, novel, whatever. But it's. You know, in two episodes, in an hour's time, you can't cover everything. Yeah, um, it would be really, really cool items to pull back into the story as a DM, you know, to work in your yep. your players' backstories or histories or or whatever, whatever reason and importance they've bestowed that item. Um, that would be good fodder for that. But in the limited time we've given ourselves, yeah, it may not, it may not work. Maybe the roles for world building will be enough. We don't know. Exactly. Yeah. The MacGuffin might just be something entirely different that doesn't go with any of the trinkets, but there's always that chance. And that's why we roll the dice. Yeah. That uh, this all could just kind of fit together perfectly. Yeah. Guess you'll have to turn into episode two, Um, but we've got one more role. Yep. Why don't you take that one? The relationship in the party of all of our party members, it's how they've come together. Uh, and that is a D6. And this this will also could very well shape how we see these guys working together. Absolutely. And their past even. That is a five. <laughs> Enemies forced to work together. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So it doesn't have to be, they don't have to all be enemies. Nope. It could be one against two. Which, I mean, it makes sense if you were thinking that the two humans are part of a similar cult or, or group of some kind, you know, the elf interloper, maybe something along those lines. Yep. 
in the fact, A, that the elf is undead, but also that he is a healer, as you mentioned, with the celestial background, or the celestial subtype, sorry. So, I like that. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense to do those two. I could, I I don't know, I could see the, um, I could see McCulloch, the, the grave cleric, and Merle, the undead lock being together in, in some wacky, like kind of buddy comedy way. Yeah. And, and I, and I still don't object to the McCulloch and Bradshaw being in like some sort of organization or cult or something because of what they have together. But Bradshaw is like, is the elder and is I don't know is like has to go with them to to make sure the job gets done and Bradshaw hates McCulloch for being like a young upstart or something like that I don't know I could see that work as well yeah I mean if just the whole buddy comedy thing you were talking about I could definitely see it almost uh, McCulloch and Merle is a young Frankenstein type um relationship yeah and then you have the uh maybe not a not a mentor necessarily but just a someone kind of overseeing things maybe someone sent to supervise sure supervise or yeah yeah supervise because mcculloch is like ready to take the the challenge to to be officially officially accepted into the cult and yeah. he needs he needs an elder of the the organization to to witness it all. Sure, yeah you you can't just go on somebody's word if it's a uh, if it's a cult for sure. Yeah, that makes sense as well. He's got to he's got to prove himself, and for some reason Bradshaw has um ha- has an issue with McCulloch for whatever reason. They dated their daughter. The young upstart works. I think I like that. It's it's generic, obviously, but it's it's timeless as well. In it's generic. Yeah, I think so. And um, I th- I think those are some decent things to keep in mind for later on. If those other roles do actually inform that, we could pull those in. Oh yeah. Or even if the roles don't, if if once we start narrating, we see an opening for something like that. Yeah, I mean, we can, we're not going to shoehorn anything in, but if the narrative takes us that direction, then I think that's uh, a relationship and a a plot point that is ripe for the picking. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have options and it doesn't hurt to have it in our back pockets in case we need to pull it out because we are doing a random improvised story uh, affected by roles, so having some ideas at the ready cannot hurt. No, no, and that's yeah. We're not gonna force anything, but we're definitely not going to overlook anything that is just it's right there and ready. So I think that that's. Uh, I like how the characters are fitting together already, even though you know once we got through McCullough, it was a little dubious for sure, but it, it all worked out. Yeah, it's 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 funny how it's it starts. No, I wouldn't say bland, but on the like the safer side. Yes, like McCulloch is kind of a safe role, 
and then and then Merle is almost dichotomous in certain ways, and then Bradshaw comes in and kind of kind of rounds it back and brings it back and and um is kind of like the safety yeah can pull them together as a as a party even if he pulls them together by adversity essentially yeah and i mean as as much as we bag on the fact that we have two humans in the party it it works really well i mean i think if you had a a party of just three out of this world races it might be a little bit more difficult to craft a, a good narrative it'd be interesting and it'd be visually stunning but it wouldn't be as easy to incorporate right yeah yeah i mean it'd be a lot of fun to tell that story but in terms of of a background cohesion and yeah seeing it more on a like i mean think about the the lord of the rings yeah it, it makes more sense to have the four hobbits going around together to to start anyway mm-hmm. you know as opposed to a hobbit and an elf and a dwarf right from the get-go yeah especially with how Tolkien built that world. Yeah. And that was on my mind as well. We we were thinking the exact same thing with that. It's, you know, you do have an elf, you do have a dwarf, but it's at some point you have your four hobbits, you have three humans technically in the party. So it's, you know, you're, there's a lot of comfort there and then they can start to branch off once you get to see the human characteristics of both the dwarf and the elf. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's only like really extenuating circumstances that brings the elves and the dwarves in the first place. Exactly. They'd be happy to, to sit in their, you know, their ivory towers, so to speak, and, and look down upon the humans. Yeah. We're, we're not for the one ring and, uh, and, um, Bilbo's uh shenanigans a hundred years earlier, like Frodo and and Samwise never would have probably never would have met a, a an elf or a dwarf. No, I mean they would just be they'd be sitting in their hobbit hole and and it would be stuff of legend to them at at best, really. Right, yeah. So I think that that's a good wrap up for this first episode. Um we've got our three characters, we've got their relationship. Um, anything else you want to add about any of these guys? No, not yet. I think I'm really interested to see how the environment and the next episode plays out in terms of world building. Cause it can really kind of help things along or it can, <laughs> we can be left scratching our head for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which will make the narrative all the more, uh, entertaining, but I, I, I have faith that even if it's, run of the the mill like down the middle of the road we'll make it work we've got enough random pieces Mm -hmm. it'll work out just fine i think oh yeah it'll definitely be interesting it just depends on what end of the spectrum we're looking at in terms of that interesting right it's uh where on that bell curve exactly so yeah i think i think that's good so we'll call it here you need to wait another week to hear our world building but it should be good. You've got enough time to ruminate over these wacky characters. And if you want, let us know how you would build them. Give us your, your examples of party makeup. Maybe someday I'll have a way to share all of the details with everyone. I might 
do a shareable Google Drive that anyone can go in and look and see what what we've got. That might be a possibility. I like that idea. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That's um, that's not terrible. So those are our characters. Again, tune in next week for some world building. And uh, in the meantime, roll your own dice. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to Rigged, the Random Idea Generator cast. You can find me at ogscomics.wordpress.com. You can find us, as well as other casts in the Feckless Momes family, by heading on over to fecklessmomes.com. You can reach out to us at the site or directly by email at momes at fecklessmomes.com. Please, if you do like the show, rate and review us wherever you catch our casts. Subscribe while you're there, sneak onto your friends' phones, and subscribe there, too. Rigged is a production of the Feckless Momes Audio Network. It was hosted by Matt and Nick McGill. It was produced by Nick McGill. Logo art by Matt McGill. You can find links to the materials we use in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 